Revelation chapter 2, verse 18. We're looking at the church of Thyatira this morning. Revelation 2, verse 18. To the angel of the church in Thyatira write, The words of the Son of God, who has eyes like a flame of fire, and whose feet are like burnished bronze. I know your works, your love, and faith and service and patient endurance, and that your latter works exceed the first. But I have this against you, that you tolerate the woman Jezebel, who calls herself a prophetess, and is teaching and seducing my servants to practice sexual immorality and to eat food sacrificed to idols. I gave her time to repent, but she refused to repent of her sexual immorality. Behold, I will throw her into a sick bed, and those who commit adultery with her I will throw into great tribulation, unless they repent of her works, and I will strike her children dead. And all the churches will know that I am he who searches mind and heart, and I will give to each of you according to your works. But to the rest of you in Thyatira, who do not hold this teaching, who have not learned what some call the deep things of Satan, to you I say, I do not lay on you any other burden. Only hold fast to what you have until I come. The one who conquers and who keeps my works until the end, to him I will give authority over the nations." And he will rule them with a rod of iron, and when earthen pots are broken in pieces, even as I myself have received authority from my Father, and I will give him the morning star. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. All right, so we have been noticing as we've been going through the book of Revelation with these seven churches that there is a similar framework uh, in each of these letters where we have uh, Jesus with a self-description, then there is some commending or good works that are listed, then the condemnation if there is one, and then what needs to be done in regards to that, and then some final remarks about what will happen uh, to those who overcome. So let's start with the self-description that we have uh, of of Jesus. How does he describe himself? What's being emphasized with this uh, particular imagery here? A little like Daniel. A little like Daniel, all right. Uh, the eyes of flame of fire, feet of burnished bronze, uh, references back to Daniel chapter 10 where you first uh, see that imagery. Julie? Uh, it's one of the commentators that uh, this is the only letter in which Jesus is described as the Son of God. Yes. Isn't that interesting that you get Son of God of, of all the different uh, terminologies here? In fact, uh, back in chapter 1 of Revelation where you... Um, saw this this imagery uh, where some of this is borrowed from chapter 1 and verse uh, 14. His eyes are a flame of fire, his feet are like burnished bronze, refined in the fire, and his voice is like the roar of, of many waters. But but there you aren't set. It's told, Son of God, right right there. So using that imagery of what John has seen in, in, in the first chapter is now pulled over uh, to chapter two. So what is being emphasized and highlighted since with each of the churches, you get a different aspect of this description about uh, who Jesus is. What should the church in Thyatira be thinking or grasping here as they, they see this, this part of uh, this description, Debbie? Okay. So maybe that means he sees what's going on. Yes. So, um, you know, and 
All right. Yeah, and I think judgment is definitely the strong aspect here with uh, eyes of flame of fire. Not only is that that penetrating, but fire in scriptures always has that judging, purging kind of imagery. And you think of burnished bronze, that's not really a terminology we use, but imagine heated, fired up bronze on the feet uh, as well. So you have eyes that are seen, judging, purging, penetrating, Feet as they walk are doing the exact same thing. You, you, before you even read the letter, you would have had a sense. This letter may not be going very well. <laughs> when you have eyes of flame of fire and feet of burnished bronze, that's, that's typically God judging as he's going through and, and, and walking among the people. And, and as we read it, you get a sense that not a lot of great positives, a whole long paragraph of things that things that are going on. So you get a sense of why that matches, that these self-descriptions do that as Jesus picks out particular aspects of this image and applies it then to them. So um, you have that in, in, in verse 18. Now in verse 19, what are some of the things that are going well in Thyatira that we, sh- we should notice? Yeah, verse 19 sounds, sounds really good, doesn't it? In fact, there almost seems to be a contrast to one of the other churches. Did you get a grasp of that, of where you see Thyatira appearing to excel over another church we've, we've looked at, Debbie? Ephesus. Ephesus. Remember, what was Ephesus' problem? You've left the love you had at first. Notice one of the benefits or, or positives that's given to Thyatira is you seem to be doing better than you were at the first. Your latter works are greater than where you started. So when you read verse 19, you might think, man, Thyatira is going to just crush it with this letter, right? And I, I know your, your works. I know your love, I know your faith, I know your service, I know your patient endurance, I know that your latter works are greater than the former. If you put the period there, what else would you possibly say to a church? You've got faith and love and works and and endurance. It it sounds like they're doing a great job in the midst of uh, all this. So uh, a, a very positive and shouldn't be... Uh, missed at, at how good they seem to be doing in those aspects, which which might help why later on when he comes and says, as to the rest, what does he say about the rest of the church? Just keep going. I've got nothing else to say to you. Well, that makes sense. What else are you going to say after verse 19? We've faith, love and patience and endurance and your works are greater than before. Just keep keep going. So. A uh, very, very positive picture that's given there about uh, how they're doing. What are some of the problems, though, since that seems to be the vast majority of what this letter is about, is identifying some of the issues that are there, Charlotte? I have a question. Sure. I did not withdraw fellowship from this woman, like Paul says in verse 3. Did you find that out? Yeah, well, they've got all kinds of issues here, right? Well, let's... Let, we'll, uh, before we talk about that, maybe let's talk about what it is, and then we'll get to the other other side of that. Uh, first thing he has against them is what? <clears throat> you tolerate the woman Jezebel. So you suppose there was some lady there named Jezebel. You know, she's been a long time member, loving Jezebel. She's great. Yeah. <laughs> symbolic, right? So we we got that at the beginning of the book that you have symbolic imagery. It's 
extremely unlikely that we have a woman named Jezebel, just as much as we saw earlier in prior letters talking about the, the teachings of Balaam and, and Balak and all of that, that it's referencing historical points and using what had happened in the past as a symbolic teaching to uh, the present. Julie? I mean, what really stood out to me here is just the word tolerance. Okay. Yeah, there's not really an explanation as why are you letting this this go on? But um, obviously they do not perceive her as badly as Jesus did. <laughs> you know, I don't think we'd all go, hey, you know, we're, we're all fans of this Jezebel, Loma, Linden teaching. No, obviously they're putting, Jesus is putting a description on her to give a sense to the church of, do you understand what she's doing? And, and, and they obviously don't, don't get that, which I think is important. And it's, well, I, and I like that transition, you know, it's giving praise, you know, listen, but. Yeah. That, that's right. Um, what about Jezebel would be befitting of why we would call her this? I mean, there's certainly a lot of wicked people in the Bible you could use as, as a label here. Well, because she was the Okay. She's the one that was over the prophets of Baal. Yeah. She, I mean, it wasn't Ahab as much as it was her right. in Israel. So this is someone who is not just condoning it, right. but is pushing for it. Right. Yeah, if you grew up in the pews, you probably memorized uh, Israel, northern nation, had no good kings. Worst one was Ahab. But Jezebel's really the gateway of, of, of that. She's the one that we're, we're told in... Um, First uh, Kings uh, 16 and verse 31, she's kind of the, the major proponent of really installing the Baal worship that, that goes on. And so you have idolatry from the very beginning with the days of Jeroboam, but Ahab and Jezebel seem to push that all to a next level. Which, if you notice, what's, what's the problem that in Revelation that's described of, of her? What is she doing for these Christians? Jen? Well, she's saying she's a prophet, so I assume okay. this is still in the title so she's claiming to have revelation from God and she's saying God says what morality. sexual morality and idol worship which have you noticed that's a common thread in these churches have you noticed each one of them is dealing with, with this problem. So this issue of trying to be faithful in the midst of teaching that sexual morality is fine, 
This cultic temple worship is fine. The pagan worship is fine. The idolatry is fine. The food that's being used to worship to idols is fine. It seems that every church is dealing with some kind of facet of that. This one, the facet is you have somebody among you who's going around saying, God tells me in my prophetic ability that this is okay. And they seem to be okay with that to some degree, either some agreeing, because you notice it says her children. So we've got some who are with her on it. And clearly some are not with it, with her on it, because it says to the rest. So obviously there's some kind of disagreement at minimum about this teaching and about her that, that that's going on in, in, in the church. I think that, that that's neat. It's not black and white. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're trying to say you're either with it or you're against right. it. Right. What Jezebel's doing is picking off the members one yeah. by one. Yes. And once you start leading them, that's yeah. how, that, I mean, that's what Satan's doing. That's right. I mean, he gets you to move slowly. Yeah. Isn't that how every issue ultimately is? Here's the people for, here's the people against, and here's the vast majority in the middle who don't know what to do. <laughs> you know, and that's probably what this looks like, uh, Debbie. <laughs> Yes. Yeah, and this is something that uh, was certainly developing in the first century. But I think when you think about, you're referencing verse 24, who have not learned these deep or secret things of Satan that some call. So you get this idea that Jezebel, whoever she is, and maybe part of the group as well, are saying to others, well, we have something new that is hidden that none of you have, right? When you can imagine what that would have looked like in the first century with miraculous spiritual gifts, it wouldn't take much for somebody to say, well, God's telling me this hidden teaching secret thing that none of you have. Now, you all don't know this, but I've got something really new, something really amazing, something really different. Uh, and it's not like that doesn't still happen today, right? Where, oh, I've got something, I got something new. I've got something hidden. I got something really neat. I heard one preacher say this that is so good. He said, uh, I hope I never teach anything new because truth is old. <laughs> and so if it's new, it's not truth because truth is old. <laughs> and so this coming along and saying, hey, I've got new things. That should be a warning. There's nothing new here. This, the truth is old. And that's what they're saying. Oh, we've got these secret things, hidden things, new things, special things. Nobody's got this. But that does appeal to the senses that people like that. Oh, man, you've got something different, something hidden, something secret. Uh, it, it seems like that happens in, in, in religious waves. I think we're in a lull right now. <laughs> I will never forget the, what was it, like uh, 20 years ago or so, like Walmart had the stacks of books that were the Bible code. And if you, if you took the Hebrew and read the Bible vertically, you would have this whole new secret uh, revelation of what God was trying to say if you just aligned the letters and read it vertically. And they're like, well, that, there's a trick. Okay, there's something neat and new. We're always susceptible to this secret, new, hidden, Debbie. 
Oh, the Da Vinci Code was yeah, that one. That one flamed up for. It, it's always these waves of something hidden, something secret. Oh, we figured out something new, something hidden. The lost books have now been found, and all oh, that's going to change everything. Nothing's changed. Two, two thousand years, n- nothing's changed, and, and that's what 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 these people have going on is that there are people, and no, remember. They're not worldly anti-God outsiders. They're Christians. They're in the church of Thyatira. They're, they're claiming to have revelation of God and teaching the things of God and believing in Christ. So that's what makes that hard. That's what makes that difficult, Evan. The thing she was about, she's such a scourge on Elijah. Yes. This is the same sort of behavior. Okay. Right. Yeah. The the other aspect of Jezebel that's useful to think about is she's a tormentor of the people of God. Right. She's tormenting Elijah. She's killing prophets. I mean, so much so that Elijah doesn't even think there's any prophets left is because she's decimating the countryside of anybody who's a prophet. And that might be befitting of, of her mentality of how she's dealing with the Christians in the church. Charlotte. We don't know. Don't know. Maybe, maybe not. Could be. Maybe the elders don't know what to do with her and what to do with this teaching or how to handle it. Or maybe there isn't a, a, an eldership. Yeah, we're not told. Going back to my original question, yeah. could they not I'm sure they probably probably could have. But, you know, things are not always that, that simple and easy to, to figure out sometimes. Again, if you put yourself in, that, in, your, in their shoes... And you have somebody who's saying they've got the prophetic message of God. I can imagine the challenge of that. To us in 2022, we can kind of deal with that a little bit easier. We just kind of go, no, you don't. <laughs> we know you don't. But that had to be tested and discerned back then. That's, that's what First John 4 is. You're trying, okay, well, do you really have the, the spirit of God with you that are saying these things? And, and I think Jesus is trying to jump in here and go, well, obviously not. This is standing against what, what has been taught. But that was, I think, just far more complex in the first century than, than where we have now. That you could just stand up and, and go, well, turn over to Galatians because it says right there that, you know, that's the works of the flesh. Well, they don't have that. So they're sorting those kinds of things out. Julie? Well, in, the, in this great letter of love, because it is, he's giving us time to repent. Okay. He even said, I'm giving, I'm yeah. giving her time to repent. Yeah. And then he's telling them, please repent. Because yeah. if you don't, this is going to happen yeah. to you. And, um, you know, he gives us according to our words. But it's just amazing yeah. how he's so merciful. Yeah, absolutely. He's that's right. Yeah. And even if for Ahab for half a breath took that time, <laughs> amazingly enough to shift the death. Well, I don't think she said it to say, God told me to commit sexual sin. <laughs> yeah. God told me go worship right. that idol. Right. It's it's not like she said, Oh, well, I heard that Right, because that's not at all happening today. The problem of 
re-looking at the scriptures in the light of cultural norms today and redefining them and reinterpreting them so that what we have matches what's going on in the world. Never happens. First century problem, 21st century problem, of course, because it's so much easier to try to adapt to that culture. Well, that's what's going on there is how else are we going to get our food? Well, how else are we going to be able to have these meats? And, and this is what's being told is tolerated and acceptable. Being part of these, these uh, trade groups, is, it was a big deal. Being part of the marketplace was a big deal. And so it's okay. We, you know, we, we just need, you know, I can imagine the first century, we just need to reread the scriptures in light of the, the first century, you know, and we, we do the same thing. We need to reread it to the 21st century. <laughs> Churches don't tolerate members with prominence or wealth at all, right? Yeah, actually, they do. <laughs> Often do. And you don't know how much her influence was that that would have caused a, a difficulty in doing that. Dathan? That was very perplexing to me, though, in verse 24. So now I say to the rest of you, to you who do not hold to the teachings and have not learned Satan's so-called deep secrets. Yep. Um, so, so we, so we have, you know, in the, the, the synagogue of Satan, then the throne of Satan, yeah. then that was very perplexing. I mean, was she advocating um, Satan's deep secrets? Yeah, I don't think she's using the term Satan. I think you guys would throw me out real fast if I said, "Guys, I've got something new from Satan that I'm preaching today." <laughs> You all ready for this? I think you will be like, okay, you can just sit down right now. But I think that's how Jesus is just trying to get them to see how uh, evil the teaching is. She's claiming it is from God. She's, she's saying she's a prophet. So she's cloaking it in, I have a message from God. And, and God's going, no, no, this is really, really bad. And this isn't something that you kind of go, well, you know, it's okay if you think that. And some of us, yes, some of us. No, it's, the, it's Satan. It's Satan's deep things is trying to communicate that, that kind of attitude to now, it. I would think that she's more likely approaching from the viewpoint of love. If you really love Absolutely. God, you feel this, and you're going to go ahead and go along with this. Just right. like today. If you're going to prove your love yes. for a man, why then you you allow all sure. these things to happen? That's right, because you know God doesn't want us to be different or suffer or have to you know deal with ostracization in our society. We need to be able to fit in and reach the world, right? I mean, there's great ways to make that work. It, it, it's not hard to visualize what that teaching could have sounded like and what they're doing. So interesting to say, you know, as much as you're going to read about some pretty heavy judgment. On her and her followers, it says, I, I'm, I gave them a chance, right? I, I gave them time to repent. That is a, a common thread, not only in the book of Revelation, where later on we're going to see uh, God talking about judgments that are going to be pretty ferocious, but saying, I gave them a chance to repent and they refused. But we've seen that throughout the Old Testament scriptures that God is always giving these opportunities for people to turn before it's too late. And so you see that here that I gave her time in verse 21 to be able to 
repent of the sexual immorality. Now, tell me about uh, verses 22 and 23. You got good answers for that, right? That's that's the, the little bit of the rough and tumble of this part of the letter to Thyatira. That certainly stands different from uh, the other letters. How should we understand what in the world is being told to us here? The uh, I'm going to throw her onto a sick bed and the great tribulation and strike her children dead. And uh, uh, all the churches will know that I am he who searches the mind and the heart and will give each according to to their works. All right. That's that's true. So what's about to happen here, Evan? <laughs> that strikes me as very close to the Sometimes in the name of unity, people say, well, we just have to all agree on it. We just have to figure out how to get along in the church. Right. And there are times sure. that are going to be painful yeah. that churches have to make a decision that they have to, that people have to be pushed on. Yeah, something has to be done. Has, something has, and I think that's what he's describing. Yeah, that there's going to be that kind of outcome of... of you show up on a church on Sunday morning and there's 10 people left because you had to make Had to deal with that. Good, I like that. Uh, Debbie? I, I think he's, for one thing... Yeah, and that's the real hard part of this, isn't it? That we're in a, a, a book, Revelation, that is prophetic and symbolic. And yet we've talked about how the symbols have to represent something. They, you know, they aren't just nebulous ideas. They're, they're pointing to particular activities and actions and, and, and things. You know, that's, that's the idea of a sign. And so one of the challenges really is, so how far do we take these, these images and say they're actually happening? You know, I'm going to put her in the, in the sick bed and she's going to experience this great tribulation and strike her children dead. And so you kind of read this and go, so... Okay, is he just speaking symbolically of a judgment of sorts? Or is it going to be as severe as that sounds in an actual fashion, Angie? I think, I mean, because we have the trumpets coming up. We have the bulls of wrath. We have the trumpets that are warnings. We have the bulls of wrath. That's judgment getting poured down. There's a reason that there's these letters. And then the seals and the judgment. I mean, so I think that that's actual judgment being put upon there's no doubt these are pointing to some kind of physical judgments because the later symbols are going to do the same thing. That's a good point, April. Well, like in Ezekiel, um, God uses a lot of the same imagery. He does. He's talking about Israel. And usually when he really speaks about no harsh judgment, it's in connection with idol worship, which is what he has to do. It's not just that we've made some mistakes. It's that you are turned your back against God and you are putting something else. And... I think, you know, they're symbolic, but in judgment. Yep. Now, is she literally in a sickbed? I think if any time God has said that he's going to do something, he's always uses those pestilence. Right. You know, he, There's he, physical the outcomes. The worst we can imagine right. as humans is what he says, I can do even that. Right. That's, a, that's a, probably the way I would ask the question in trying to help everybody wrap their mind around how much you want to take of these two verses but is it outside the parameters of god to say i'm going to cause physical difficulties upon people because of what they've done i don't i don't think that's outside the boundaries i don't think you can say and go no god cannot do that uh he's 
done it quite a bit in the scriptures. He, he, he's done it to individuals and nations. Uh, so I don't know that it's outside the parameters to read that and go for this to say, unless they repent, that they're going to experience some kind of physical difficulties, sicknesses. And even if you go to verse 23, perhaps even death, that might be speaking beyond a spiritual death. Is that outside God's ability to do that and say, I'm not tolerating these kinds of wicked behaviors anymore, and I'm going to do something about that. I don't think it's outside the realm of possibility just to say that, Sean. I don't think what God did to the Israelites yeah. in the wilderness. I mean, that sure. Many there are terrible diseases from sure, it, it, there's there's a lot of times where God has done those those kinds of things to try to bring about a repentance or a judgment or a purging or a refining uh, the, those those kinds of kinds of things. Evan? Sure, you have Herod eaten by worms. That's what I wanted to get a sense of. Sometimes our immediate reaction of going. Well, it can't really mean that. Well, it, if you think for a minute, there's quite a few times that God has done things like that. Uh, so maybe it's not that, that crazy, Mary. I used to say to my kids, um, you know, give them a, um, something to follow. As there are four of them milling around the house and they're not doing what I want them to do. Right. I don't didn't want to take the blame for being a person that I believe is is ugly and not nice. But I, you know, I hit them with that to say, well, too bad I got to be an army sergeant. So then I I show my toughness, and um, you know, I think it's shocking to me to hear God speaking with such force. Yeah, it shows the severity of how long it's gone on and, and that something has to happen. Because you're right, you you don't wake up and, oh, they made a mistake and you come full fire and force and go, okay, well, you guys are going to be dead. That, that's that's not the idea. Because you, you you see that love and compassion back in verse 21. I've, I've given them these chances to repent and they're refusing to do something. By the way, just think about for a minute, we, we have Jesus using the Jezebel metaphor connection Jezebel lived, lived a long life and died peaceably right no. okay so we we might have another reason for connection here <laughs> that uh, the same kind of horrifying outcome is going to come upon you because you're acting the exact same way and God has done those kinds of kinds of things in the past like with with, with Jezebel or like with the Herod Julie
yeah, you still have a, a justice of, of God, you know, that if you're going to use Jezebel, well, there's, there was nothing redeeming in her that was ever depicted. Yeah. I think what you're trying to get at is, you know, God is the power. Jezebel is acting up against him. He takes Jezebel down. That's right. Right there. Then he's seen where everybody else falls. Right. You want to still go with Jezebel? This is the rest of your wrath. If you want to repent, this is the one. Absolutely. I think that's absolutely right. I think another comparison would be like Ananias and Spire. Okay. Another one. Because the purpose here is to show everybody. Right. This, and that's the purpose of that. Exactly. Yeah, you notice that, that he... Right, verse 23, you're referencing there. This is going to make all the churches know. And I think that's an important point, that this is instructive as preventative for other churches doing the same. As we mentioned, that this seems to be a, a reoccurring problem in a lot of churches. So that's a very good point. We see that Ananias and Sapphira had the same uh, kind of uh, important sending fear amongst the people of God of, okay, we need to uh, uphold God with, with honor and, and respect. Um, I think that just to kind of wrap that up, God absolutely uses physical circumstances as correctives. He uses trials. That's that's what the book of Job is 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 trying to do. Is God uses these things in refining. In uh, Elihu's words, were to to turn a person's soul from the pit. He can absolutely uh, be using things in that way. The, the caution is always the pendulum comes flying to the other direction where they go. Okay, so like if I woke up this morning and I have a flat tire, God hates me and I have obviously sinned last night and that, that's why that, okay, easy. <laughs> you have to be very careful in, in, in that. But one of the things that I think is, is more relevant is that sometimes we just look at life and go, well, things are happening and they are completely outside of God's hand where I think God's trying to say, I'm trying to get you to look around and think. And consider. And it's not necessarily to say, okay, well, it's because a bad thing happened. That was God's direct hand trying to do something to me. But with all the things that are being described here, he's saying, you all need to wake up and think about this. You need to consider what's going on and be more spiritually aware because God is, is, is at work here, Dathan. Cases we normally go to look at God's character is Exodus 34. Sure. And, 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 and so we highlight his character as being um, compassionate and loving, right. slow to anger and so on. But yeah. in that same passage, Keep reading, right? God, he, he punishes him. Yeah. So it is very characteristic of God yeah. to punish sins. Yes. part of his character because... Yeah. Of yes. And I think with the, the Jezebel picture, I hope that kind of helps us. This is not weak, wayward Christian who's got tangled up and God's coming at this person full blast. But this is somebody who is clearly standing against God, rebelling in every way possible, so much so that it says in verse 21, she's refusing to repent. So that... that no interest in getting on the right track whatsoever. This is clearly an opponent of God and God's going to have a response so that all can learn and whatever that response ultimately looked like, it was going to must have been visible enough that the people would have not only in the church of Thyatira understood it, but apparently it would have sent a message to all the churches of Asia. So it had to be something physical enough. It, this couldn't just refer to 
Well, you know, in one day in final judgment, you know, she's going to get it because that wouldn't have taught the seven churches anything. It has to be something visible and physical enough so that everybody would go, we don't want to go down that road. <laughs> We're going to stay away from that. Is that Absolutely. Excuse me. For one thing, our That's right. The, the world's always going to be the world. The problem is when the church a, a, adopts the way the world's going. That, that, that's what's happened here is you know, they've got all these teachings and they're practicing sexual morality and all these things. But the problem is the teaching is seducing the servants to practice the exact same thing and the same kind of temptations. We think we're, we're all new and, and, you know, what we have to deal with of, of adapting to culture. It's always been this problem of resisting what culture says is true and right. And we certainly have a lot of that today. Um, uh, so for the sake of time, I want to get to the back end of this because we've got to get to the, the, the outcome here. Verses uh, 26 to the end. Tell me with these last, last few minutes we've got, what are some of the final conquering victory images here, Mike? That's right. Yeah. I'll do something about this. Absolutely. So tell me about these final pictures here. We've got about six minutes, minutes left. Interesting pictures about to the one who conquers, what's going to happen and what do these things mean? What are we looking at here? <clears throat> Okay, so is is not verse twenty six and twenty seven surprising? Yes, I, I, it was to me. <clears throat> That's a, a very strong quotation and allusion to Psalm two verses like seven, eight, and nine. There about uh, you remember you have the nations raging, the Lord in heaven laughs, holds them in derision. I'm going to appoint my uh, son and. He will rule over the nations and rule them with a rod of iron and smash them into pieces and that whole thing. And, and notice the Psalm 2 picture 
Is he talking about Jesus in verses 26 and 27? He's talking about Christians. Isn't that interesting? To the one who overcomes, I will give him authority over the nations. He will rule them with the rod and iron and with earthen pots, as when earthen pots are broken into pieces. Even I myself have received authority from my father. You can tell it's talking about us because Jesus is saying, as I got authority from the father, so I'm going to give you to the one who conquers. You know, sometimes we apply all those pictures only to Christ and miss. There are all kinds of teachings that are saying we're going to reign with him, rule with him, have authority with him, enjoy all that with him. Now, I cannot begin to explain what that means or looks like, (laughs) But, but it says it in a lot of places. It says it in a lot of places that our exaltation isn't just merely going to heaven and laying in hammocks and you're going to play the best golf you've ever played and float on clouds. That's never the picture. The picture is always reigning with him, having authority with him, joining with him. Whatever that means and looks like, it's hard hard to know. But remember, you have like even uh, Paul talking to the Corinthians and saying, you know, don't you know we're even going to judge angels? No, Paul, I don't know that. That was unbelievable that you said that. I don't begin to grasp what this new world will be like that we're all going to enjoy in this heavenly paradise. But it includes judging and ruling, whatever that looks like. So God said, you know, that's all I'm going to tell you. He doesn't, he doesn't go. Now, let me give you a whole book on, okay, now here's what that looks like with this, that, and whatever. But I want you to see that there is a connection to Christ that's being made of how much you are joining with him in this eternal reign. That it's not he's on the throne and, yay, we're the subjects who didn't go to hell. We're apparently with him on the throne and reigning with him with authority over all heaven and earth and all that that looks like. And I can't explain whatever that means. I'm just glad for it. I'm like, okay, great. Looks good. Sounds great. I can't, I can't get any of that uh, any further than that in my, in my mind, Micah. I think another um, awesome point here is that he's saying that you can conquer today. It's not just after you die. You can have it right now. That's right. Yeah. It's, it's right now. You're going to join with me, not with her and her teaching and know what this ultimate reality is of what you're receiving. There's, Great things that that lie ahead. And so I hope that we would visualize heaven as something more than just laying around. (laughs) There is going to be activity. We are participating. We are joining in and and doing things with Christ. In fact, notice also verse 28. I will give him the morning star. What does that mean? Kathy? Kathy? Yeah, that's it. This is a very powerful image. The very end of the book, Jesus is going to say, I'm the bright and morning star, chapter 22, verse 16. So here he says, I'm going to give you the morning star. What are you going to get? Him. Him, full blast, right? Uh, the, the full weight of glory of God 
reigning with him, authority over whatever we have authority over, whatever is existing at that point, <laughs> the spiritual rule. You get all of it. It seems like it's just saying, if you will, if you will hold fast, all the barriers are taken down that stand between you and God. And you will have him, have proximity with him, have rule with him, have authority with him. You will be with him. Nathan? The, the, the idea that Paul says that you will be heroes with Christ yeah. is what I saw coming out, yeah. out here. That, that inheritance that we have. That's right. We're, we're, we're heroes. Um, that is yeah, that's what we don't have time, but just think about how many vague statements are made like that. Like if we suffer with him, we will reign with him and, we, and you have, we'll be heirs with him. Uh, you have uh, even Paul in 2 Timothy 2 and verse 12. If we endure, we will also reign with him. So there's, there's pictures like that all over the scriptures. Even Jesus talking to his disciples and saying, hey, you're all going to be sitting on 12 thrones. Okay, uh, great. <laughs> you know, he doesn't give details about, all right, what does that all mean? It's just left at that. You have authority and reigning, and I'm excited about whatever that means, that God's going to give to us of this reality that you are going from a place of humble means to exalted place. And he's telling them that. Don't, don't cave in to these teachings. Hold fast to what God has in store for you. All right, Lord willing, next week, chapter three, church in Sardis, 15 minute break. We'll reconvene at 1030. Thanks, everybody.